Um, this case, we're going to see uh, Isaiah sharing a prophecy that we have already seen to pass. When he was sharing it, obviously it wasn't. Um, for our comfort, for our encouragement, sometimes when we see stuff like this, it, it builds us up. Um, so, yeah, an example, encouragement, comfort. Let me go to a different question altogether. Um, the Bible's important. God, God found it important enough he wanted to write it down for us to have. When he says something, okay, it's important. What if he s- says something and then repeats it twice? Is it? Um, I, <laughs> it's a possibility, too. Um, Isaiah 6.3 says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Um, more important than saying... God, it never says in there, God is love, love, love. Um, in Hebrew context, in the Hebrew language, in order to show importance, rather than using modifiers or, or anything else, they would repeat it. And it shows, when it's repeated twice, it's saying, hey, this is, a, this is very important. When it's saying it three times, it's saying this is a very high level of importance. You need to really pay attention to what what." You, what God is saying at that point. Um, we start out in, in chapter 51. Um, well, in, in 53, we get into the suffering Messiah itself. And um, in chapter 51, it starts out, he's, Isaiah's re, uh, talking to the Jewish people. And I'm going to ask Keith just to read, start reading for me a second. Go ahead and read verse 1, 51. Stop. <laughs> what did it start out saying? Okay. It's trying to get your attention. In this case, the Jews' attention, right? Verse 4. Read that. <laughs> yeah, there it is again. <laughs> A little important, isn't it? Set chapter, uh, verse 7. Okay. <laughs> God's going, listen, listen, listen. This is going to be important. You don't want to miss this. Okay? If we were having a speaker today that came out and he'd say, Okay, listen up, folks. What I'm, if you don't hear anything else today, the next thing I say, I need you to catch. Okay? This is important. This is what God's saying to the Jewish people. Listen, listen, listen. This is important. So to the Jewish people, this should be a very, very important passage. Okay? You think it is? It is not. It is one of the most misunderstood and shunned passages in all the Tanakh, uh, Hebrew word for the Old Testament. Here's why. This is representing the Jewish view of God. This is the box. This is how they see him. And they can take all kinds of things, and they take the law, and they say, yeah, it's, it's about God. And they'll take finances, and they'll say, it's about God. And they'll take all these things and say, it's about God. And a lot of scripture, an Old Testament scripture says, there's this conquering, reigning Messiah that is coming to deliver you from everything. And we come to this passage in Isaiah about this servant. 
a suffering servant, a servant that's going to die. And they can't fit it in the box. It doesn't work for their viewpoint. And so they just take it and set it aside. And they leave this passage alone and they will ignore it. Jews who understand anything about Scripture, which aren't a lot, most of them will ignore Scripture altogether. But those that study the Tanakh will say, um, well, I understand this is about the Messiah, but it doesn't make any sense. So they won't study it. They'll leave it alone. They won't touch it. Back to my first question. The Old Testament. Example for us. Because the church a lot of times does this. And we find something that just didn't fit our viewpoint. And we say... It doesn't fit. I don't get it. And so we brush that aside. No pun intended. That just happened. (laughs) It doesn't fit in the box. And we need to make sure we stay out of that mentality. The Word of God is important. All of it's important. Every bit of it. I was reading a week ago um, in Nehemiah in a passage I've read lots of times, and it was saying... um, it was saying this guy and this family was working on this wall and this, this gate. And this guy and this family was working on this wall and this gate. And this guy and this family is working on the wall here and this gate. And, and I'm just reading through it and like I've done. I thought, wait a minute. Why is this in here? It's gotta, there's got to be a reason. I mean, there are passages all through Scripture where we do that, don't we? We just sort of gloss over it. Eh, I don't really see the point. It's just names. And, and I started thinking, and I was asking God about it as I was reading. I said, let me take a little time, just read it. We, you and I, are never going to be in this book. Our names are not going to be listed there of what a great job Dave had done. Here's what he did on this date. Okay? These are guys whose names are in the book. They lived a life before they stood, stood up and built and worked on that wall. They lived a life after they stood up and worked on that wall. And God one day said, I need some people to step up and work on this wall. And they said, okay, we'll do that. Job wasn't glorious. Taking a bunch of stone and shoving it in holes and stacking it up on top of the other was not a lot of fun. And I'm reading through this thinking, these are just normal lives going about maybe very faithful men and women doing what they're supposed to do. And and God says, I need some people to step up and do some things on this day. And they did. And right in the midst of them, as I'm reading and I'm thinking about this, I read, and this guy built this wall enthusiastically. It was a drudgery. I'd be thinking about day after day sitting on that wall shoving pieces of rock in the holes I think this is not exciting this guy knew he was doing something for God 
And that's what we need to do on a regular basis. Because God is using us all the time. He cares about every detail of our lives. And the the holes that we need to plug and the drudgery that we think needs to be done, like working in the nursery or with children, befriending people that are very hard to befriend. (laughs) Um, Some of it we need to do a little bit more enthusiastically. We need to step up and say, God, what do you want me to do now? So we come um, to this part, and there are four things. I've broken out this, uh, these three chapters into four areas. I am not going to read a lot of them today. Um, I really want you to go back and read it because it's really good stuff. But he starts out, and he, he's talking to Israel, and he's talking to the Jews, and he says, you, have a very, you had a very promising beginning. You had Abraham and Sarah. It starts out in, in, in chapter 51. It's, he talks about Abraham and Sarah. That they're in the who's who of the faith chapter in, in Hebrews 11. They were somebody that stepped up and stepped out on faith. He says, this is, this is your beginning. This is how you started. All these promises, and he mentions a few of them, that I've made to you and I fulfilled. When God makes a promise, he's always going to fulfill it. He says, I've provided the law and you to keep the law and the scriptures, which they did. He said, this, this promising start that you had. And he starts talking about that. He talks about that in the first seven or eight verses of, of chapter 51. And then he says, you also have a promised future. It's not over. We have... Um, I don't know if it's a good analogy, but it, it was what came to my mind was um, God has basically two children that he's made promises to, the Jewish people and the church, okay? And those promises, we have a tendency to say they're for the same. They're the same thing, and they're not. He's made promises to the Jews, and he's made promises to the church, and he will fulfill them all. Because he's God. And he says, you have a very promising future. And he goes and talks about some of their future when we talk about the Messiah in chapter 53. But to us, that's, that's the past. It's already been fulfilled. But he's still not done. There's still a lot more future for Jews. There's still a lot more future for Israel. And there's still a lot more future for us. And we can cling to that. Um... Up through verse 11 and and several uh, verses in chapter 52 talks about some of those promises and and, uh, some of that future that they have to look forward to. Don't get discouraged because right now what's going on, what you have, Isaiah's talking to them. They're they're looking at what they think is going to be a very bleak future. He says, I'm not through yet. It's not over. Then he talks about, for a long period of time, from verse 12 all the way through uh, uh, middle of uh, chapter 52, he talks about their painful history. And he gives examples of it. And Israel has had a terribly painful history. Um, 
because God has publicly proclaimed them. He has said, they are my children. And there is an enemy who does not like God and does not like what he likes and is going to cause problems. Um, we just put an article at my work in, uh, in one of our magazines, and it was from a message that was given about 40 years ago from our founder. And, and uh pastor asked him, what, um, what should I say to try to get people to come to hear you? And he said, just announce it as how to destroy the Jews. This was a Jewish man, Jewish believer. The place was packed. Lots of people showed up to learn how to destroy the Jews. And he gave a list. And when the enemy has, has tried repeatedly to get rid of the Jewish people, he's tried through getting rid of the people themselves, through uh, corrupting them, through um, getting at their leaders. Um, when God's made a prophecy to make God a liar, he would attack the Jewish people and try to get those prophecies to stop. He took a prophecy saying that someone is going to be a deliverer of the Jewish people out of Egypt. And the enemy tried to drown, drown out that prophecy. And it didn't work. He tried to, um, um, uh, a man stood up and stood for God and said, I will not bow to anybody but God. And the enemy tried to hang him and built a gallows. And it didn't work. When some men stood up and said, we won't bow to anybody but God, a furnace was built and heated, and they were thrown in it, but they couldn't be burnt. When someone said, I'm going to continue to do what's right for God and stand up for him, they threw him into a pit of lions, but he couldn't be eaten. And throughout history, the Romans tried to, to disperse them and to assimilate them into their society, and it didn't work. The Nazis tried to gas them into non-existence, and it didn't work. The, the Russians, the Soviet Union, buried them in mass graves, many of them alive. We have graves that have been found over the last 40 years with tens of thousands of people in them. And 50 years later, more than a million Jews came flooding out of, of uh, the former Soviet Union and back to their homeland into Israel. They couldn't be buried. They were fireproof. They were gasproof. Uh, they were inedible. Um, <laughs> the enemy has tried to destroy them, and he couldn't do it. And the enemy's not done. We got stories about the Antichrist and what he's going to do and the war that he's going to wage. So Isaiah says, yeah, you've been going through some hard times, and you have a painful history. probably not going to get better until it gets worse. You're going to still experience because you are God's chosen people. But there's an answer. And that's when he comes to chapter 53. And to them, it was a very perplexing answer because what they thought is the way we get through this is this conquering Messiah. He's building them up for something better 
And then they get this story of the suffering servant, the suffering Messiah. I just want to read a few passages. And it's um, probably everybody's familiar with some of them, but some things that stood out. Um, The end of 52, verse 14, and said, Many were astonished at thee. His visage was so marred more than any man. I never thought about this before, but we talk about when uh, Jesus reappeared and and, uh, he said, you know, you want proof. He told Thomas, stick your fingers into my hands or into my side. Is his face going to still be distorted too? Because he was beaten badly. Is that going to be a reminder to us also of what he went through for me, for us? I've often wondered about that. Verse uh, chapter 53. Um, latter part of verse 2 says, He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Nothing attractive about him. He wasn't this blonde-haired, blue-eyed uh, Greek god of a man that showed up on the scene. He was a Jewish man 2,000 years ago who would have lived almost his entire life outside. He would have been browned uh, from the sun. He would have been shriveled from the sun. Um, a few years ago when we were there, I don't know if Kristen remembers this, we went to a place and there was this guy that looked like he was 90 years old. And one of the ladies that was with us said, how old are you? And he said, 50-something. We're like, the little shriveled up old-looking guy. He said, I've lived my entire life outside. That's what Jesus would have been. Houses weren't for living in. They were to keep any weather off of you to sleep. But they lived outside. If you look at any of the archaeology stuff, they're little dinky places. It's like, that's no place to live because they didn't live in there. They lived amongst the people, amongst each other, out and about doing their business. He says, it says, uh, when you see him, nothing that's overly detractive, attractive. Um, verse 3, he's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Verse 5, but he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and with his stripes I am healed. That was for me and you. It's personal. Verse 7. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Speaking of what happened before Pilate and... and, uh, Uh, Caiaphas and some of the others. Um, Verse 9, he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Speaking of his burial and the the tomb that was given. Verse 10, which is, is so incredible. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was, it pleased God for him to do this. Not to, for the father to see his son go through this. Because his love for us was so huge. There was no other price that could be paid but this. And he was willing to do it. It pleased 
God. That's incredible. If you don't, if you can't grasp some of this stuff and understand what he went through, this is incredible. God was pleased that he could give his son to go through all these things for us. Um, verse 12 um, reminded me, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And it makes me think of when that spear went in and has blood in the water poured out. He was numbered with the transgressors, one on either side. No difference in the eyes of the authorities. They're all criminals worthy of death. And he made intercession for the transgressors. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Powerful passage. Please go back and read this. Um, It's important. God's word is so important. I can't emphasize that enough. I was just at a, um, um, with the teenagers in a conference at Jabez, yes. And uh, the speaker said something so simplistic, I never really thought about it before. And he said, we have a problem of how we treat this. And we treat this like an encyclopedia. To look up problems and such. But this is a story. It's his story. It's about God. It's about Jesus. It's about what he done. He has done. It's about what he is doing. And it's always been about Jesus. I, I never really thought about it that like that. Um I'll spend the last couple minutes on uh, um, a couple of things. I haven't really focused a lot on details of this passage um, on purpose. Um, I need to get more into God's Word and to study God's Word. It's, it's so important. And um, I wrote down a statement that was said during this weekend that I went to. And I want to repeat it for you. He said it 50 times. And uh, he said, here's what he said. If you don't know how it works, you may fail to reap the benefits and someone may get hurt. And the analogy was used of a chainsaw. You can take a chainsaw and you can walk up to a tree and you can start sawing with it. But you're not using it. If you don't know how it's used, you may not reap the benefits. It's going to be a lot of extra work. How many people have you ever heard that got hurt with chainsaws? 
right? This isn't much different. We miss out on how we use this book because we don't know how to use it. Because we miss out on the benefits that God provides us. These Jewish people that Isaiah was talking to, God said, listen, listen, listen. This is so important. And in spite of all God's emphasis, they still missed it. Three things. And I'll spend just a little bit of time on these also. Um, three things that I don't have a I do have um, application all of God's word is important I think I've shared that we need to read it all of it just like uh, my experience in Nehemiah um, here this past week it's all there for a purpose it's all important just because it's not direct instructions to the church as in the Old Testament, as in the prophets, as some of the laws you go through Exodus and Leviticus. It's all there for a reason. And you need to put it all together to understand what God is doing. Um, God's plan, His work, they're still being done today. Um, there are still prophecies to unfold. There are still things happening. There are still things that are going to happen. God is still working. Um, do you know what's coming? Do you know what to expect? Do you know what to look for? Do you know what you should be doing? Um, we need to be in on God's plan. That's so important for all of us. Jesus is the fulfillment and focus of God's plan. Too often this is how we look at God. Okay? Can I use you? I'm not going to try to fit you in the box. Here's, here's what we do. I'm not going to hit you either. This is what we try to do. And if we just don't get it, or it doesn't quite fit what we think God should be doing, we do the same thing. And we just, it's not important. But God's not in there. He's in here. He's in here. Put that in me. (laughs) (laughs) This is God's box. He and I don't look anything alike. I'm more the great God talking. He and I don't teach anything alike. We don't respond to situations and people alike. God doesn't work the same way in every situation. It's different. But this is the, this is the God box that he uses for all kinds of things. Thank you. No. <laughs> To God, for God, 
um, Jesus is still the focus today. Um, hasn't changed. This passage focuses on what he did for us, how he suffered, how he was tortured, um, some of the things that, that they were to expect and to recognize when the Messiah came. And they didn't. But if he were to walk in today, would we recognize him? Because he didn't fit in this. Your challenge, my challenge, is we got to get to know Jesus intimately, personally. And when something doesn't work, when I don't say something that doesn't fit your parameters or Jim or, or the pastor or your wife or your husband, it's still about Jesus. The problem we have when we're trying to fit things into boxes comes back to one other thing this guy said on this weekend. He said sin at its very core is man trying to be God instead of God. And when we struggle through relationships, through service, through our church, things that go on, it's us trying to fit things into that viewpoint. He didn't fit their viewpoint. Don't get caught in that mold and not let him fit in your viewpoint.